Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. So we are in Mark chapter 4, and we'll cover verses 1 through 20. And so the title of tonight's study is, Where's the Fruit? Where's the Fruit? It comes in the form of a question. And so I just want to go before the Lord before I start teaching God's word. So let us all bow our hearts. Now, Father, once again, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for fellowship. Oh, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, just for this opportunity to spend more time with you in your word. I pray that you give us understanding, and I pray that you help us to apply your word to our lives. And Lord, you know exactly what we need to hear. You know the questions that we have. You know what needs we have, Father. So I, I pray that you meet us and that you meet those needs. So Father, I pray for the gift of teaching and a fresh filling of your spirit. We love you. We thank you. We give this time to you as we continue our worship of you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, of course, in regard to our title, Where's the Fruit? Just so you can know where we're going with this, I first want to mention that we are people who like real or who like authentic things. We like real stuff. We like real friendships. We like, of course, real food. Some of you may be asking, is there, is there any other such thing than real food that we would eat? Well, what I mean by that, some of us don't like store-bought food. Some of us like homemade meals, and so we will consider that real food. And many of us like authentic or real desserts. We can taste the difference between a store-bought cookie and a homemade cookie. The same thing with cakes. And even children, they can tell the difference between the real thing when it comes to a toy that they really wanted. Or they can tell if it's a, a, a toy that does not have a brand name on it. If it's just a knockoff of the real thing. And so we as people, we like authentic or real things. And, and for the most part, we can identify what is real. For the most part, we can identify real friends. But today we're going to talk about being real and identifying ourselves, of course, as, as real Christians, as real believers. And so as we dig into various studies, there's different purposes for it. Some messages are exhortations and, and some are more informative to equip us for a, 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 an apologetics ministry or something like that. And of course, you have some that are more evangelistic, geared more towards the, the unbeliever and Tonight, we have a challenge that's going to be posed to all of us as believers. And, and the challenge is to self-examine ourselves. 
And we'll be able to do that and, and be able to see if we are being authentic, just like we could tell if those friendships and food and toys are authentic. And so how do we tell the difference? How do we know if we are really saved? And so with that, we turn to the first verse in Mark 4. Now that you have a background for tonight's study, you know where we're going with this. And so the word of God says, and again, he began to teach by the sea, he being Jesus. And the sea, of course, is the Sea of Galilee. And there was a great multitude, a large crowd that was gathered to Jesus so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. They were on the shore. And then Jesus taught them many things by parables. And he said to them in his teaching, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside. In other words, they they fell by the footpath where a lot of people walk. Luke 8, 5 says that this seed was, was trampled down. And the birds of the air came and they, they ate the seed. They devoured it. And then some seed, as the sower went out to throw these seeds around, they, they fell on stony ground, which is rocky ground. In other words, it's, it's ground that has underlying rock and shallow soil, a thin layer of soil on top of it. And so it didn't have much earth. And immediately that seed sprang up because it had no depth of the earth or of soil. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root in it, it it withered away. And some seed in verse seven fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no crop. In other words, it did not produce fruit on that type of soil. But other seed fell on good ground. And it yielded a crop that sprang up. It, it yielded or produced fruit. It increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100 times as much as had been planted. And then Jesus said to those who were listening, at least those who have physical ears to hear. He said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear or listen. And so not everyone who has physical ears, of course, has the ability to listen and understand the word of God. Not everybody was willing to listen to what Jesus had to say. And so they were unable, they did not understand his words. And so God is the one who created the ears. He gave it the function that he gave it. And all the inner workings of of the ear, God created that. And so, of course, we're supposed to use it. So if you have those ears that I created, Jesus is, was a part of creation. If you read the word of God then let them hear. And so the question I have for us tonight is, are we using what God gave us? Are we using what God gave us to listen to him, to listen to our creator? And if not, 
We're not using the ears and the inner workings of our ears to, to listen to him. To not just hear the noise of his voice. Or maybe the noise of a preacher's voice. But how about listening and really taking in for the purpose of understanding his word. And if that's not what's going on, then, then who are we listening to? But when he was all alone, those around him with the twelve, they asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. Matthew chapter 13 verse 12 says, for whoever has to him more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. And that's still on the topic of listening or understanding. And back in, in Mark 4, 12, it, said, it says, So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest or otherwise they should turn and their sin be forgiven them. And that's a quote, of course, you can find in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, if you're interested on, on where that's from. But in Matthew 13, verses 16 and 17, there is more added to what Jesus says. It says, blessed are your eyes, for they see. And blessed are your ears, for they hear, for assuredly, I say to you, that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And so in these verses, we, we learn why Jesus was using parables in his teachings. And if you weren't here last week, again, a, a, a parable, that word comes from a root word that means to put one thing by the side of another for the sake of comparison. In other words, it is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, something I shared last week. And so again, we learn why Jesus was using parables in his teachings. He, he used them to, to veil the spiritual truths from those who, not because he was being mean, but because there were those who weren't really interested in hearing the spiritual truths. They really weren't interested in being a part of the true kingdom of God. They were there for some other reasons. And so for those who didn't come with the right attitude, with the right heart, he used those parables and it veiled those spiritual truths from them. These are those who were the outsiders. They were outsiders not because of Jesus made them outsiders, but because they chose to be outsiders. By hardening their hearts. They didn't want to be a part of the kingdom anyway. But now for those who were open to the things of God. And to the spiritual things that Jesus was teaching. They of course will be able to understand what Jesus was saying. What he was communicating through those parables. And in this case this, the parable was about the mystery of the kingdom of God. And so what is the mystery of the kingdom of God? If you look in Matthew 13, 11 and Luke 8, 10, it, it actually makes that word a plural. It says mysteries 
of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And so first off, a mystery is something that was previously unknown that God has now revealed. And so it was given to those who were open to the spiritual things Jesus was teaching. It was given to them to understand through these parables, what are these mysteries of the kingdom of God? And if you spend some time in Matthew chapter 13, you will see a lot about the mysteries of this kingdom. Because what it shows is what the kingdom will look like from the time Jesus ascended and went back to heaven until the time he would come back again. So between the time of the ascension, Jesus goes back to heaven, and the time of the second coming at the end of the tribulation period, that is the mystery of the kingdom that he's sharing. And so in other words, He's sharing in Matthew chapter 13 and what we're reading here with the sower and the seeds and and so forth. These four different types of soils. What you're reading is a a mystery of of this kingdom between that time period when Jesus ascended and when he's coming back. And so this is what the kingdom looks like right now while the king is not on earth reigning. And so the first thing we, we observe as we study these parables in Matthew 13 and in Mark chapter 4, where we're reading today, what we notice is that this kingdom, this mystery kingdom right now, it is spiritual and it is internal in this present age. And within this mystery kingdom, in other words, within this spiritual form of the kingdom, you have the church. You have the true believers. But then within this mystery kingdom, if you read those parables, you have those who are associating with and mingling with the true believers. And so you have false converts who are mingling in with the true believers, the church. Part of this mystery kingdom. And in one of the parables in Matthew 13, it says that Satan has even planted some of his reps amongst the believers. Remember that parable about the wheat and the tares? And and he said, no, don't separate them right now. Because they asked him if, hey, do you want us to pull them up? He said, no, don't separate the wheat and the tares right now. The, The tares will represent the false converts, the false believers. And the wheat will be the true believers, the true church in this mystery kingdom between the time of the ascension and the second coming of Christ. He said, no, don't separate them right now. But at the end of the age, at the second coming of Jesus, you have what you call the judgment of the nations. And and so that's what you read about when you see the separation of the sheep and the goats. So right now, you have unbelievers mingling in with believers. And the believers, of course, are the true members of the kingdom of God. But you have some who on the outside appear to be members of the true kingdom, but they're really not. But one day, of course, God is going to separate the believers or the, 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 the true believers from the false converts. Matter of fact, one Bible scholar says this. He says, all professing Christians, professing, they only say it with their mouths. They would be in the kingdom, guess what, in its outward form. So visibly speaking, they may come to church. They may look like they're believers, dress like they're believers, talk like they're believers. 
And so all professing Christians, I continue with this quote, will be in the kingdom in its outward form, but only the genuine believers would enter the kingdom in its inner reality. And you heard Pastor Jim say many times that we are not salvation investigators. So we're not going around looking for you a real believer. You're not blah, blah, blah. That's not what we're doing. Refuting fruit inspectors but not salvation investigators. So we let God do the separating when it's that time. And so, yes, there will be separation one day, and I explained that already. And so right now, this is the mystery kingdom of God right now. It is internal. It is spiritual right now. And you have false converts right now, the wheat and the tares growing up together right now. And I bet you, you look on the news right now, and you can see you know, there's some who profess to be Christians and they're supporting things that are totally ungodly. They're professing to be Christians with their mouths, but some of them are tares, false converts. This is an example, a visible example of what's going on in this mystery kingdom, this kingdom that's going on while our, our king right now is not reigning visibly on this earth, which he will visibly reign on, his, on this earth. The end of the tribulation, he will visibly reign, literally reign for a thousand years. We, be, we call that the millennial kingdom. And everybody who enters that kingdom, there won't be any false converts. There will be all believers who enter in. That's why there's going to be a separation between the sheep and the goats. In the visible kingdom, that's who all is going to be there. But right now, mystery kingdom, oh yeah, there's false converts. Then, of course, there's true believers, true uh, people who are a part of his, this true kingdom. But in verse 13, it says, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? We remember we're talking about this mystery kingdom. Do you not understand this parable? This parable we are reading about the sower, right? And the seeds and these four different types of soil. And he says, how then will you understand all the parables? And so he appears to be saying that this parable that we're looking at right now is the key to unlocking the rest of the parables about this mystery kingdom. Again, you can find that a a few more of them in Matthew chapter 13, verses 14 through 15. It says the sower souls. He's, He's explaining it now. In other words, the sower plants the word. And these are the ones by the wayside or the footpath where the word is sown. This is them. When they hear Satan is the one who comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So those birds are representative of Satan, what he does to those who have those wayside type of hearts. And so, again, the seed is the word of God. It's not changing there. But in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 22 and 23, it says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. And so you see a scripture there in 1 Peter 1, verses 22 and 23, that that picks up on that symbolism of the word of God being the seed. The seed is the word of God, and it it is not corruptible, but incorruptible. And of course, we've been born again through this word, through the reception of this word, and and the different types of soils 
They symbolize the, the different types of individual hearts and their responses to the gospel. Different types of heart conditions and their responses to the gospel. And so again, this first heart condition or response, this heart response that we see here being addressed or explained by Jesus is the wayside heart. In this type of heart, there is no response to the gospel. They, they come to church. They, they hear the preacher audibly. They hear the noise that is coming out of the preacher's mouth. Just like there were people who were hearing Jesus' voice in all of that huge crowd, that multitude. But some of them had wayside hearts. Their hearts were not receptive to the word of God. They were indifferent. They didn't care about what he had to say. That's the wayside heart. And of course, it was unfruitful. Needless to say, these remain unbelievers. But I like how he mentions the work of the devil here, the work of the enemy here who comes and he takes away the word that has been sown into their hearts. And so we, as, as we minister to people, as we share the gospel, we too can expect the devil. We too can expect demons to try to disrupt things as we do the work of God. If the enemy is trying to disrupt whatever work we're trying to do, then we are doing a good thing. Then we are on the right side. So we can expect him to do that. Jesus has given us a hint about this. You see, the last thing Satan will want for somebody is to be free. Whoever the son makes free is free indeed, free from the slavery of sin, free from the devil who oppresses people spiritually. The last thing he would want is for people to be free. So no wonder he's roaming around trying to, to, to steal the seed that has been planted. And he may snatch the word of God by planting seeds of doubt to a person who's been, quote unquote, forced to be here. I didn't want to come here anyway. I'm only here because my wife made me come or my husband made me come. My family member made me come. That's the only reason I'm here. And so they're, they're hearing the noise, but they're really not listening. And then here comes the enemy stealing the seed and he's saying and, or asking the same question that he asked Eve, has God indeed said? In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4, it says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled or hidden to those who are perishing, those on their way to hell, whose minds the God of this age, that's a little G God speaking of Satan, has blinded. He's blinded the minds of the unbeliever who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God should shine on them. And so if you're ever praying for somebody who needs Christ, a good prayer to pray based on that scripture is, Lord, I pray that you would lift the spiritual blinders. That's a good prayer to pray. Verses 16 and 17, it says, these likewise are the ones sown on stony grounds, on rocky ground. Remember that ground that had the shallow soil with the underlying rock? These are they who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves. And, and so they only endure. They only last for a time. It's short-lived. And afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Immediately they fall away. And so they appear to believe on the surface. 
And so this is what you call the, the superficial professing Christian. This is only with the mouth. And so sometimes this happens when, when people are going through something. They get invited to church and, and, and they're so emotional that anything they hear at that point sounds good. And so they make an emotional response. And as long as they're happy, oh, they're good. But guess what? It's short-lived. There's no root in that. And so their true colors begin to show in times of tribulation and and in times where there's trouble and hard times. And when there's persecution, it's easy for them to, to fall away and to stop claiming Jesus because they were never rooted in the first place. It was just a shallow or emotional response. In verses 18 and 19, it says, Now these are the ones that were sown, that were planted among thorns or this thorny soil. They are the ones who hear the word. They hear the voice of whoever is preaching and the cares, the the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things. Entering in, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Luke 8, 14 even adds this, the pleasures of life. All those things creep in and and it chokes the word out of the people who have that type of heart that is like thorny soil. And so what's going on with these types of individuals who have this type of heart, what's going on with them is that they have too many things that are crowding their heart. And so the word of God cannot flourish in their lives. Too many things crowd their hearts. It's this thorny soil. And of course, needless to say, these are not true believers either. These people with all of these interests, with all of these cares, they are not ready to let go of their idols. Let's say that again. They are not ready to let go of their idols. Because here in these verses, we see that their heart is preoccupied with, number one, the cares of this world. They're worried about what am I going to eat or drink? What am I going to wear? But the word of God says to first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. But their hearts are focused on the cares of this world. They're concerned with with riches, which, by the way, are deceitful. As it says in Proverbs 23, verse 5, it says, Will you set your eyes on that which is not? Will you set your eyes on that which disappears? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Of course, that's, that, that's figurative language. It's speaking of riches as if it were a bird. And so many of you have been there, pocket full of money, bank account full of money, and it seems to have flown away. Things come up. Everything's hitting you left or right. Medical bills and this bill and that bill. All of a sudden, it's it's literally become, man, these riches, all this money that I saved up has, has flown away almost like a bird. And so these people with this, with this thorny type of soil, Hearts preoccupied, cares of this world and riches. And it says the deceitfulness of riches. And riches are deceitful. Not saying that God can't bless somebody with riches. 
That's not what I'm saying is that God doesn't want us to make riches or anything else God. And so riches can be deceitful because some people think that, oh, if I had all the money in the world, I'm good. I'm okay. We're going to be all right. This is all we need. But it's deceitful to rely on that or anybody else who are not God. It's deceitful. And then, of course, their hearts are crowded for their desire for other things. Those other things that are outside of the will of God. It's like it says in 1 John 2, verse 15, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Who loves the world system. Who makes the things of this, of this world number one in his or her life. If that's the case, then, then those things, those pleasures, they become your God and God is put on the back burner. And, and so these type of hearers right here, again, their hearts are crowded out. They're too busy trying to be like the Joneses. And so, so far we read about three heart conditions, three types of, of heart responses from different individuals, but, but in verse 20, you see another one. It says, but these are the ones sown on good ground or soil. Those who hear the word, accept it. In other words, they welcome it and they bear or produce fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. That is 100 times what was sown or planted. And so, as we look back, everyone in this, in this parable, they, they heard the same message. Notice, it is not different types of seed. There is only one seed that we should be preaching. And it is the gospel that is in the Bible. Because it, it comes from God and it is about the only Savior who can save. And who can change lives. And who can change our eternal destination. And so that's the only gospel, that's the only seed that we should be casting out, that, that, that we should be preaching. That is the only hope that we should be able to offer to the world. That is the only seed, the seed of the gospel, the word of God. And so in the parable, they all heard the same message. They all heard the same gospel, the good news. But there were different responses in review. Different responses. And so you had... As we review the unresponsive heart, the wayside heart, you have the shallow or the emotional response. That's the stony ground heart. You have the non-committed heart, which is due to other interests and concerns. Remember that, that, that soil with the thorns. And then you have this good soil. And so only one out of the four types of soils or Heart conditions revealed or produced fruit. No wonder Jesus calls it the good ground. But what we read in the parable, what we studied in that parable, is that those things are true today. When different people show up, maybe somebody's preaching on the street corner, you have this huge crowd. Just like Jesus had this huge crowd, this multitude on the shore. As he's in the boat. So different people in the crowd and Jesus knew that some will receive the word the right way and will produce fruit. And then you have others 
Not so much. He, he knew that. Not everyone is going to respond in the same way. And I just want to encourage somebody tonight who's been sharing the gospel constantly, consistently, faithfully, but you haven't seen as many people come to Christ as you thought, as you prayed about. Just want to encourage you that even when Jesus himself, our Lord and Savior himself, shared the word of God, not everybody received what he had to say either. So are we better than our master? And God doesn't override people's free will. They have a free will to receive him or reject him. But what is our job? As I encourage you with this, uh, your, your job is to be faithful. Our, our job is to not give up, to continue to do what he called us to do. But now as we think about the fruit bearers in verse 20, the, those with, with, with the good soil, that type of heart. As we think about them, the question is, what is different from these fruit bearers than the rest of the individuals who heard the same word? What's different? Well, if you look in verse 20, one of the differences about them is that they actually accepted the word. They, in other words, they welcomed the word. They truly accepted the word. But another thing. That was different about them. We have to look in Matthew 13, 23 for that one. And it says that they understood it. They accepted it. And as in Matthew chapter 13 tells us, they also understood it. That was the difference between them and the, and the emotional responder. And, and the crowded heart responder. And the wayside responder who really didn't respond. That's the difference. The fruit bearers accepted it and understood it. But now tonight for us, what we need to do, and this is the challenge, we need to evaluate ourselves and, and we, have, we need to ask the question, where is the fruit? Where is the fruit in my life? In other words, where is the evidence of salvation and, and change in, in my life? As many of you, you're saved, but you still even question your salvation. There's somebody, and then there's some people who think they're saved, and they refuse to take an honest look at themselves. And so this gives us all an opportunity for self-evaluation. So where is the fruit in my life? Where's the evidence of salvation and change in my life? You see, if we claim to be in Christ, then, then we should not look like the dead version of us. Because it tells us in Romans chapter 6 that, that we died in Christ. And in fact, in verse 5 of Romans 6, it says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of Jesus' death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin, that that body that was ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. In other words, sin should no longer be the rule in our lives. Sin as believers should be the exception in our lives. So I'm not saying that we're going to be sinless as believers. We're growing. This is, we're going through the sanctification process. And so, yes, we should be sinning less. And so walking in holiness and righteousness should be the rule of our life. 
and sins should be the exception. But if it's the other way around, uh, around, if sin is the rule or constancy or habit of a person's life, then that person needs to reevaluate their salvation because if they're really a believer, then the old them that is, that is dominated by sin has died with Christ. The old me is dead. And so the new me should live in the likeness of his resurrection. I should be living according to that new life that I have in Christ since I'm born again. And so a question we need to ask is, is the, is the fruit of the Spirit evident? As we, as we ask ourselves, as we self-examine ourselves about the fruit of salvation in our lives, we need to ask one thing. And the first thing is, is the fruit of the Spirit evident? This could be evidence of salvation in Galatians 5 uh, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, and by the way, if you are a believer, you have the Spirit indwelling you. And so evidence of being a believer is having the fruit of the Spirit in our lives is their joy, is their love. Is their love in our, this is agape love, godly type of love, Christ-like type of love, the unconditional, sacrificial type of love. That's the love we have in our lives. Do we love the brethren? Do we love the believers? Is that fruit showing? Is how about the, the fruit? How about joy? That's not based on your circumstance. That joy is an inward hope and exuberance in spite of the outward circumstances. It, it, it doesn't change from circumstance to, to circumstance. It's the fruit of the Spirit. How about peace? You have that calmness in the midst of chaos. Not only that, but you are a peacemaker. You're being used to to bring harmony between people. In fact, the, the most important peacemaker you can be is a person who spreads the gospel of peace so that a person can have peace with God. Because guess what? If a person does not have peace with God, then they will never experience the peace of God. Because a person before Christ, before repenting and putting his or her faith in Christ Jesus, the scriptures tells us that we are at enmity with God. And so, yes, is that fruit of the spirit of of peace in our lives? Are we peacemakers? Are we showing that calmness in the midst of chaos? And and yes, we're still growing. How about being long-suffering? Because God, our Father, is long-suffering you see, he's, he's willing to accept irritating and painful situations. He, he's willing to be patient with us and bear with us. Waiting on us all those years while we were out there sinning, not thinking about him, but he was long-suffering. Could have took our lives like that, but he allowed us to live to give us an opportunity to be saved. So is the fruit of the Spirit evident? When we, talk about, when we talk about the evidence of salvation in our lives, where is the fruit? How about kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such? The scriptures tell us in Galatians 5, there is no law. Are these things evident in our lives? Self-evaluation or, in other words, is there a difference in the way we think? Is there a difference in the way we speak? Are we still cursing people out? Are we still saying, oh, excuse my French and letting people have it? Are we still doing that? Yeah, is there a change in the way we think? Do we have the mind of Christ? The mind of Christ is selflessness. 
selflessness in, in, in our speech and in our actions. In other words, is there any resemblance to Christ in our lives? That's, these are things we need to think about and ask ourselves. Are we still obeying the word of God when we don't have an emotional experience? Remember those emotional people. They respond emotionally, and when tribulation and persecutions come, they're done. But how about us? When we look at ourselves and evaluate ourselves, are we showing fruit of salvation? Are we just giving up? Stop going to church, stop reading our Bible, stop praying just because emotionally we don't feel God? We don't feel happy? Are we still sticking to the truth? And how about this? Is is who is on the throne of our heart evident? When people look at our lives, can, can people see that sin is not the king of our hearts? That that sex is not the king of our hearts. That that drug abuse is not the king of our hearts. That stealing is not the king of our hearts. When, when people look at us, can they see who is on the throne of our hearts? Yeah, when, we, when, we're, when we're speaking words of grace and being a blessing to people with our speech and uh, speaking the truth and love and, and doing those things that are according to the word of God, then who is on the throne of our heart is clearly evident because clearly it is the king of kings and lord of lords. Remember, we are in the mystery kingdom. And there are some in this mystery kingdom right now who are really not a part of the kingdom, the true kingdom of Christ. But people should be able to see that we are, that we are truly subjects of the kingdom of Christ. Because they should see that we speak like and behave like our king. But something else we, we see in the scriptures as the worship team takes the stage. Something else we need to see in the scriptures is in this lesson is that the seed of the word will be more fruitful in some believers' lives than others. You know, some 30, some 60, or 100 times more than what was planted. So you may see more of the effect of the word of God in some believers' lives than others. So we need to understand, we need to be patient with each other. That never, not everybody is at the same level. So we should be coming alongside people who are maybe at 30. If you're 60, come along somebody who's at 30. Encourage them. Share the word of God with them. We just had a men's tea. It was really more like a men's steak. It was a blessing. Well, I wasn't there, but I know how it is. I'm sure the guys were blessed. So come along somebody who's at 30 right now and that where the word of God is showing at 30 times and Invite them to a men's tea. Invite the ladies. Come along somebody who's at 60 if you're at 100. Come along somebody who's at 60. Invite them to a ladies' tea or a women's study. Or maybe a youth night. So that they can grow. So that the, 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 the seed of the word of God will be more fruitful in their lives. But, but maybe... Maybe, too, we have this group where there's some of you who are discouraged right now because you're like, 
wow, I'm, I'm not where I need to be. I know what to do. I, I, I read my Bible. I understand what the preacher is saying. I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a small group. But I'm still at 30. Maybe I moved up to 35. So maybe some of you are discouraged right now. And you're thinking, oh, and you're comparing yourselves with other believers who are at 60 and 100 and maybe 110. Comparing yourselves with them. So maybe some of you are in that place and and I just want to encourage you tonight that, that, look, you may not be exactly where you want to be, but keep going. But keep going. You may not be sharing the gospel as much as you want to. You may not be serving the way as much, as much as you want to. You mess up more than you want to, but keep going. And then thank God that you are not what you used to be. So we're going to have the communion part of our service tonight. And all of what I'm talking about is possible because Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, at a certain point in history, was miraculously put within the womb of, of a virgin, Mary. And he grew up. God took on a human body. He grew up, lived a perfect life. He taught people the word of God. We see it here. Made disciples. Rejected by those who should have accepted him. Their coming king. And he went to the cross and, and this God man, fully God, fully man, Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for our sins. He took our place. We are the guilty sinners. We offended him. We offended God and God who is the offended, who is the offended party took the punishment we deserve. grace and mercy of God. And so as we celebrate communion, we remember the sacrifice of Jesus, how he gave his body to be broken for us. And so that is what the bread or the cracker in this case represents. And then, of course, the juice, it, it represents the, the blood that was shed and his blood shedding represented his life being poured out for us. Oh, and he said it is finished. When he hung on that cross, he, he redeemed us. It's not Jesus plus something else for salvation. No, he paid the price. It's not Jesus plus us flogging ourselves every night. And so we remember and we celebrate what Jesus did. We remember his death. But then we get back to that other word I talked about earlier. It's his time of self-examination. So as you pray and ask the Lord if there's anything that you've done just recently that you need to confess to him. If he shows you anything, then repent. 
If not, praise the Lord. But as you feel moved, we have the elements at the back and we have some here at the front. So feel free to take the elements yourselves. Go back to your seats, pray, partake on your own. And so I'll just close us out in prayer and then we're going to partake of communion. Father, we thank you for this night. I pray, Lord, that for those of us who are believers, Lord, in this room, those viewing online, or maybe at this point listening to a recording, just the audio, I pray that we as believers, Lord, will be more fruitful with the word that is sown in our hearts. And that we begin to look more like Jesus in our thoughts, words, and actions. And for anybody, Lord, who's not a believer, they have not made that commitment to Jesus yet, I pray that you would convict them and draw them to your son. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If anybody, uh, maybe you're listening online and you want to talk and you want to know more about Jesus one-on-one, you can go to our website and see the phone to our office or the phone number to our office phone, calvaryqueencreek.org. So scroll down. You can find the phone number there or email office at ccfqc.org. Everybody else, thank you so much for joining us, for coming out. Thank you for your prayers. God bless you, and as always, we love you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.